With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. Uh, First of all, I want to give thanks to God for his unspeakable gift in our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our King of kings, and he is our Lord of lords. He is the unconquered one. He defeated the devil at the cross, and now he has the keys of death, and of Hades. Jesus Christ took uh, took away the sting of death. And so, therefore, believers can rejoice in the new reality that death has no sting for us. The grave has no victory over us. Paul wrote that you and I are to reign In life as kings, I am speaking of the new reality. I'm not speaking of the old reality. I'm speaking of that which is qualitatively new in Christ, ever to remain so, or fresh and ever to remain fresh. It is he alone whom we worship. And not the devil, that is the past, and his minions and his emissaries and those who uh, are used by the devil. We are no longer under their terrorism. God has given us a brand new life in Jesus. Now, tonight I'm going to I want to read to you from the book of Esther. Uh, Esther lived in very harrowing times, and so do we. So do we. But before I go to the book of Esther, I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews 5, verse 1 and following. Quote, every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. Now, 
please keep in mind what I am reading. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And in another place, he says, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Very important. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. That should read out from death. And he was heard because of his reverent for uh, submission. He was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, that should read the son. He learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect or complete, which is the sense of that word perfect in the Greek. Greek. It means to be made complete, that is, lacking nothing. And once made complete, he became the source of eternal salvation for those who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have much to say about uh, about this, but it is hard to explain uh, because you are slow to learn. Very interesting in the Greek. Uh, it, it reads uh, hard to uh, slow to hear. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the element, elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about regeneration. I should read, uh, this person is inexperienced with the teaching about righteousness, that is, to be made right with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Be justified, justified by grace through faith. And because of that truth, that doctrine, then we, uh, the righteousness of Christ is imputed or reckoned to our account by God. But solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good and good from evil. So. But solid food, again, speaking of the word solid food, is for the mature. Now, the Bible uh, speaks about the three, uh, three classes of believers. There are, there are the, the infant ones. There are those on their way to maturity, or they're called sons by John. And then the fathers, the, the mature ones. Now, uh, in the Greek, this word mature does not mean a, uh, a, a final maturity. That happens at the coming of Christ. 
and we shall uh, be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The mature here is one who is is a mature believer, and who has uh, who understands uh, who Jesus is and who walks by faith. Now, let me say at this point that never in the Word of God uh, is the word faith. Uh, never has a uh, modified by a, a word that means risk. The Bible never sees faith as risk. We risk our faith in God. That is not uh, found in the Word of God. They, that may be found in some theologies, uh, or some people may talk about blind faith. The Bible never talks about blind faith. God has given us sufficient information through his revelation so that we might trust in his word. We trust there. Uh, I love the old doctrine, which is no longer taught about the all sufficiency of Christ, the all sufficiency of Christ. I love that old doctrine, which is never taught anymore. And uh, the doctrine of sin and being justified by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's hardly ever taught anymore. And so you see what is happening in the West, how the sun is sinking on the West. Why? Because uh, even in the secular uh, arena, uh, in the secular realm, you see what has been done to people, the hybridization. People are hybrids uh, without knowing it. their their relationship with technology and how technology has supplanted their nervous system. And they are now governed. They don't know it uh, through 4G and 5G. 5G is a military weapon uh, that was used recently in the the so-called pandemic. See, people today don't realize the sophisticated technology that that have hooked up their nervous system and therefore the electrical energy of their bodies uh, to uh, to these systems to through AI, uh, and so they don't realize what's going on. So uh, their values have been supplanted. Their bodies have been supplanted through uh, food with plastics. I'm, I'm studying now about about cooking oils and they're laden with aluminum and copper and uh, microplastics. Uh, and it, it's just amazing what these things uh, do over time to the body. And so they destroy tissue. They destroy fascia. They destroy uh, synapses. They destroy the nervous system. And so the, on, the onset of Alzheimer's, uh, is a relatively new phenomenon, but uh, the studies, there are limited studies that are available for us to look at, and you see what these things have done. These plastics and these metals uh, have supplanted the blood-brain barrier, and they reach certain parts of the, the brain, and they shut off conscious awareness. They shut off. They begin to shut down the body. These people have a very deep knowledge of human metabolism 
and how everything works. God knows this. Do not ever believe these people don't know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. So I'm calling now upon mature believers. Uh, We need you, and we need your maturity at work for such a time as this. Now, I heard just the other day that uh, they're expecting uh, deflation to manifest itself within uh, the economy by the middle of next year. That's not far, uh, far away. It may seem, I can say next year, but that's not far away. And I'm asking you to prepare food, buy food, buy water, you know, and... Uh, you know, buy fuels, buy clothing, buy what you need because I don't know when uh, the inflation monster is going to be significantly released upon people. Uh, So I'm going to keep reminding you to not just sit back and be passive. Uh, For such a time as this, uh, you need to prepare and uh, be ready. Uh, God expects us to prepare Go to the book of Genesis and read about Joseph and the preparation that he made uh, for the people of God uh, before dire times would come upon them. Please read Joseph's strategy uh, for for difficult times. Uh, it is the word of God. It is, uh, it is truth that you need in your hearts. So, the book of Esther, Esther means, her name means Persian star, Persian star. And the king at this time was Xerxes. He was the Ahasuerus. Uh, And he reigned from 485 to 465 BC. And he wanted to defeat the Greeks, but he lost his uh, tremendous fleet at the Battle of Salamis in 480 B.C. And so we see in the book of Esther, Yahweh's providence at work behind the veil of our reality. Some people wonder, well, how can God be in control where we don't see his name uh, in the book of Esther? And so understand the providence what the doctrinal providence means. So Yahweh is always at work. Yahweh is always moving on our behalf. Uh, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth, beholding the good and the evil. And the book of Esther is a narrative, uh, a theology narrative about evil times. And evil people. So verse 1 reads, quote, and following reads, this is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Cush. Remembering about Cush in the book of Genesis. Now, a lot of information is hidden uh, about these old kingdoms and their longevity 
and the longevity of the lives of these people and the, their mastery over technologies that can't be explained. You're going to have to do some deep research and some prolonged research to find the information you need on the sophistication of these cultures. These people were incredible. Uh, at that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. So he gave a party, and at this party, he was going to be discussing uh, a military campaign against, uh, against Greece. So for a full 180 days, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. Now, these, these, this man had gold. He had silver. This man had tremendous wealth, not paper uh, and ink, but real tangible wealth. So when the days were over, the kings gave a banquet lasting seven days in, in uh, the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden was hanging of white and blue linen, fastened with cords of white linen and purple material uh, to silver rings on marble pillars. This place was spectacular. There were Couches of gold, silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other. And the royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberality. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink in his own way, for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. What he wished. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes, Xerxes was high in spirits from wine, it's what the text reads, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him to bring before him Queen Vashti, wearing her royal in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. So she was his trophy wife. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. So this one statement is very important for us. If this king uh, didn't get what he wanted, this was his this was his attitude, and this reminds me uh, of, the, of the king in the book of Daniel, uh, who was that head of gold and remember who he was, the king of Babylon, and he was given to fits of rage, he was given to ferocity. He had the same attitude here of this king uh he became furious and burned with anger. And so he spoke with the wise men who understood the times 
and uh, verse eight fifteen, according to the law, what must what must be done to Queen Vashti? He asked, and so uh, Mimikan replied, Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces of King Xerxes. So. Uh, he was advised uh, that Xerxes was advised to get rid of this queen because of the bad example that she set for the women. Verse 18, this very day, the Persian uh, median women of the nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. And so uh, the king proclaimed this edict and uh, he had to uh, get rid of Vashti and she was to never enter the presence of the king again. So uh, this was proclaimed throughout all the realm, uh, realms of the king and all women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice, and so he sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom, to each province in his own script and to each people in his own language, proclaiming in each people's tongue that every man should be ruler over his own household. So you see what this set off. So later when the anger of King Xerxes has subsided. Now, he held on to this anger a long time. He remembered, this is chapter 2, verse 1, uh, Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. The king begins to look for a new queen. Verse 4, chapter 2, Then let the girl who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. And so then the search began for a new queen. Now there was a man, uh, a devout man by the name of Mordecai, and he was carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiachin, uh, king of Judah. So Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah. I love that name whom he had bought, uh, brought up uh, because she had neither father nor mother. So Esther was an orphan. This girl who was known as Esther was lovely and forming figures, features, and Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. So Mordecai became her father. And so Hadassah was among uh the young women who went in before uh, the king. And verse 9, we read, the girl pleased him and won his favor. Now, this is God. God knows this king's election for beautiful women. And so uh, God prepared her heart uh, for this special event. For this special occasion, uh, because God is going to deal with an evil man by the name of Haman, who will plot to destroy the Jews. 
he uh, and so he was uh, Haman was an Agagite, and uh, you can read the history of Agag in First Samuel 15 and also in Exodus 17. Uh, his the uh, his family's name uh, Agag means violent. So, uh, and that begins in chapter three. But God prepared Hadassah. Um, she was not limited by her background. She overcame adversity, sorrow, and grief. Remember, she lost her father and her mother. So there was adversity. There was sorrow. There was grief. But Mordecai was used by Yahweh to build Hadassah's character for a great work. So, verse 9, she pleased the king. And uh, so she, she, he uh, assigned her to seven maids that were selected from the king's palace uh, and moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. He was a father. He was her dad. So she had to go uh, to school before she would become the king's queen. She had to complete one year of beauty treatment uh, that was prescribed for women, six months with oil of myrrh, and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is how she would go to the king. Thing she wanted was given to her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go there and in the morning return to another part of the harem to the care of Shashgad the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned by her name. Now, remember, this book is about the providence of God. Pro-video in the Greek, providence, it means to see before, to see before. Did you know or do you know that God has your situation, your circumstances, and your background. God has seen before. And so we have the same situation here. God moves within the history of Hadassah, and God moves within your personal history too. So verse 15, chapter 2, when the turn came for Esther, the girl uh, Mordecai had adopted the daughter of his uh, of his uncle Abihail to go to the king. She asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. Her beauty and her humility were unbeatable. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the 10th month, 
the month of Tibet in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, and she won his favor. Do you see how over and over again uh, the writer skillfully talks about Esther? Uh, Esther won the favor of everyone. Uh, Esther, uh, more than the other women, she won his favor and approval more than any of the other versions. So she set, so he set a royal crown, a royal crown on her head, and made her queen instead of Vashti. And so the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials, and he proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces, and distributed gifts with royal liberality, kept secret her family background and nationality just as Mordecai had told her to do, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. She has been lifted up to become queen, and she has not allowed her position to do what? To destroy her soul with arrogance. She still listened to wise counsel. So uh, during the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bixana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the door, became angry and, and conspired to assassinate the king. found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. Now notice what she did. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were hanged on a gallows. And all this was recorded in the book of the annals in the presence of the king. So the king owes Mordecai. So chapter 3, after these events, Xerxes honored Haman uh, the Agagite elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of any other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, all, for the king had commanded uh, this concerning him, but Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Look, this takes great courage. Just think about today, what it would cost if you would wear a certain cap or a certain color in a certain state or a certain town, in a certain restaurant, how people would react. Why is it your face covered? How come you don't kneel and bow down and pay honor? What is wrong with you? Are you one of them? But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay honor to Haman. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day, they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Just think if Mordecai had a cowardly spirit. Think if he walked in fear and not by faith. Just think what would happen if 
Mordecai could be intimidated to comply and not stand up for the truth. Now, notice. Notice the language here. The royal officials, plural, asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? So uh, it, it is the group pressure. The pressure of the group to conform, to comply. And so when he did not, we read, therefore they, that is this group, told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated. For he had told them he was a Jew. And so Mordecai, as his, he pulled, he, he pulled, uh, fire. There was smoke, but now he's, he says, I am a Jew. He reveals who he is. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai, Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people. Jews throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. Remember, in chapter 1, we read about how vast his empire was. In the 12th year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan, they cast the pur, that is, the lot, in the presence of Haman to select a day and month. And the lot fell on the 12th month, the month of Adair. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, there's a certain people dispersed and scattered among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom whose customs are different from those of all other people and who do not obey the king's law. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. The king let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will put an end, uh, I will put 10,000 talents of silver into the royal treasury for the men who carry out this business. So he was going to hire mercenaries, paid soldiers who would go out to murder. Then the king took his signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And, And I love how the writer adds this, the enemy of the Jews. The money, the king said to Haman, and do with these pe- with the people as you please. So, arrogant plots the most outrageous deeds. Arrogant uses others without their awareness. Arrogant loves to flatter those who tools of its evil deeds. Arrogance is cunning. Then on the 13th day of the first month, the royal secretaries were summoned. They wrote out the script for each of each province in the language of each people, all Haman's orders to the king's satraps, the governors of the various provinces and the nobles of the various people. These were written in the names of 
King Xerxes himself and sealed with his own ring. Dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order, with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and little children, on a single day. The 13th day, listen, the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. Arrogance is hateful. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so they would be ready for that day. Now, I need you to really pay close attention to the language and how this is written. I hear right now this day in which I am, 2022, I hear the same kind of language being used this, as if lifted from this text almost on a daily basis. Spurred on by the king's command, the couriers went out. And the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. The king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was bewildered. The king and Haman sat down to drink. Understand that the king uh, sustained anger. Haman was given to had the same disposition. But what Haman had considered was Queen Esther and who she was in God's plan. Notice, this evil plan became law. It wasn't a suggestion. The king didn't have to say, well, I'm going to issue emergency powers. They did not use that kind of language or facade. king said, do it. Kill, destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews. Young and old, women and little children, single day. Arrogance is hateful. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly was only as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict, the order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. They lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maid and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. These people found out the very day that they would be annihilated, be destroyed. Esther summoned one of the king's eunuchs assigned to attend her and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. 
went out to Mordecai in the open square city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to urge her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathash went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal province know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do you think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape? For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for all the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. The words of Esther's beloved father entered into her heart. When Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, I'm going to say her father, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. By faith, Esther stood against an immutable law. By faith, Esther would go before a king who was given to fits of rage. And such an act, if he would not stretch out his scepter, would mean her life. Faithing, living by faith, is never an intellectual discussion, is never about a book. James wrote, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Jesus did not merely talk about the cross. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, he must take up his cross. He must take up the cross. You must be seen or condemned as a criminal. 
Because following Jesus means the giving up of the old life. It means putting it behind. It means being crucified together with him, that you will be raised from the dead with him, that you will walk in newness of life with him. Esther's actions, her life in jeopardy, but she did so for the people of God. Who has God called you to be or do? Good evening. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.